Um, children, the oldest class stays in. The youngest class, you may be excused for Sunday school. The youngest class, you may be excused. The oldest one stays in. Hallelujah. I realized yesterday that I'm 50 years old. <laughs> I, I grabbed one of those bubbles, and the first time I went in, I went in just like that. And I stood up, and I was like a bull, and I was going like this. And the ball was like 30 feet away, and I ran with everything I had, which wasn't very much, and I got bounced. And we did it for three minutes. I figured three minutes was like, give me five. About a minute and a half, I'm going, change, change, Lord. <laughs> then we did it again. And that's when I really realized that I'm 50. Because I couldn't slide in the way I did the first time. <laughs> I couldn't get my hands around. Every time I got knocked over, I just enjoyed laying on the ground a little longer and long. I didn't need to get up and hit anybody. I was just happy to stay on the ground. Hallelujah. But I want to thank all of you. I, mean, I think it was an awesome day of family. And Dan and Anna, thank you so much for your creativity. Um, they sent me a couple times, they sent me messages of what they had planned or things that they wanted to do, and they didn't tell me everything, but I love your creativity. Hallelujah. If you can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5. If you can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5, I'd like to read about 10 to 15 verses and we've got a conversation with Jesus. I've been spending a number of Sundays talking about conversations with Jesus. And some of the conversations are long. This conversation is actually quite short. But I want you to see, as we look at this conversation, we're going to read it first. And then we're going to, I'm just going to take a few thoughts out of there that I'd like you to see. And, and this story, people... Uh, many of you, once we read it, you probably go, oh, yeah, I've heard that story. But I'd like to, to look at it with a little different thought this morning. As we read it, you can join with me. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to try to picture yourself as a, in the scenery. I, I'd like you to picture yourself watching Jesus as he's moving around. I want you to try to even smell the smells of the area. I want you to try to visualize the landscape. What I want you to do is I want to try to put you in there so as we talk about this and as we look at this, hopefully you'll see things in a little bit different manner. This is about the pool of Bethsaida or Bethesda, there's two different versions of words, but it was a pool that had five different areas. Some people say five sides, but it, it, they refer to it as five colonnades. And this pool was full of people that were sick. Some um, theologians have said there could have been up to 5,000 people 
at this pool. It wasn't just like a little swimming pool that a couple people were in. It was full of people. And there was a few different levels, and there was two pools in this area. So as we read this, I want you to think about how it would be to walk around or walk by this pool with these people, and, and everybody that was there was sick. They weren't well. They could have been blind. They might have been paralyzed. They might have been lame. Whatever the situation, they were there because an angel of God would come and he'd touch the water. And when the water was stirred, the first person in was healed. So as we read this, I want you to try to put yourself in that scenery. Think about the colors, the browns. Think about the stone, because it wasn't cushy. It was ground. It was hard. As we read this, just try to put yourself, if you want, you can close your eyes or you can read along with me. Um, I'm gonna, it says, after this, verse 1 of chapter 5, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him. So this is the conversation. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answers him and says, sir, I've no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. <laughs> I love how Jesus talks. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Sometimes his instructions are so simple. And immediately, say immediately. I believe in healing that's an immediate healing. I know that we live in a world that sometimes we give excuses and make excuses for healing that doesn't happen right away. And I understand that and I've been there, done that. But there's also healing that happens immediate. And that's the kind of healing that I just, that excites me. And immediately, the guy gets up, says, immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. 
And the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. Then he answered them and he said, well, he, the, the guy that made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they said to him, well, who's this man that said that to you? Take up your bed and walk. I just love it. They're actually declaring the miracle. They didn't question the fact that he could do it. They just want to find out where the guy is. Who is it that said, take up your bed and walk? You'd be amazed at what happens when you speak God's words. Even guys that were against him were declaring the miracle. And they weren't preparing to. They weren't wanting to. But they were just speaking what Jesus did. Who, who, where is this guy that said to take up your bed and walk? In verse 13. But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn. Because there was a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Then the man, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus that had made him well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the honor and the privilege of sharing your word this morning. And Lord, I ask that as we take these moments, that we would see you, understand you, hear you, know you, experience you, and get a better understanding of who you are. Lord, that as we leave today, we would leave with an improvement in our life because of you. That we would understand your greatness, that we would understand your power, that we would understand your ability, that we would understand your vision. So as we leave today, Lord, that we wouldn't leave the same way we came, but we would leave changed because of you. And that we would look at things differently because of what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords can do. So, Lord, I thank you for this honor and this privilege, and I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would quicken my thoughts and my words. Lord, that I wouldn't waste words, but they would go deep into our hearts and into our souls and into our consciousness. In your name, amen. I want you to see Bethesda. And what I want you to see is I want you to see the setting where Jesus stepped in. And if you could see two things, you're going to see the scenery of Bethesda. And then you're going to see Jesus this morning. And that's why I asked you before we read this passage that you would just take a moment. And in your imagination, just imagine this room here being an area of Bethesda. That Jesus came upon. And the dynamic change that he had in that space by the few words that he spoke. You don't always need to have a scroll that's six inches long or 12 inches long with what he says. Sometimes he can give you one sentence and it can change your life. 
And we have the Beatitudes. We have Matthew 5, 6, and 7. An amazing manifesto of the kingdom of God, which is powerful, which is amazing. But sometimes we read these passages and we just skip right through them. And we see the little bit of red writing and we just read it. But what I want you to see is the power that Jesus had just in those one or two sentences that affected somebody's life that was stuck in that position for 30 years. Eight years. Now I said, I realized I'm 50. 38 years is a long time. And everybody that's younger than that, especially if you're in your teens, you'd think 38 is like retirement age. It's, it's like you can't, when I was a kid, I didn't think I'd ever hit 35 let alone 50. This guy has been living in this condition for 38 years. And there's this pool. And I don't know if they had people that brought them every day. I would imagine there were some that came every day. I would imagine there may have been some that actually spent the night at this pool. And somehow they realized when the pool was stirred... A miracle was about to happen. And so everybody's focus was on the water. Everybody was looking at when, when is it going to stir? What's it going to stir? And Jesus comes on the scene and the people didn't even recognize that Jesus was there because they were so busy looking at the water. And you will say, well, get with the program. I'd suggest to you that I would be in the same position as those people standing around the pool. We have the benefit of reading the whole story. But if I knew that Jesus moved in this manner, I'd be looking at when the next time he's going to move. And I might miss the next time he stepped in. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about this. We're in this area, in this arena, in this place of these pools, these two pools with five porches or five colonnades and possibly thousands of people, definitely lots of people to the point where when the water does stir and somebody tries to get in there, whatever way they can try to get in there, somebody else beats them. Can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine the, the energy? Can you imagine the passion to get in there first? Can you imagine the fights and the anger and the frustration of missing? And everybody's looking at this water. I want to try to get you to see these things because we sometimes think, well, I haven't been sick for 38 years. But sometimes we get so busy watching what's happening, we actually miss when he comes in. A number of years ago, I did a, a safety program in construction. And they played a video and they talked about focus and they played this video and they asked, in this video, these guys had these 
balls that were like beach balls, and they passed them from one person to another. And there was four or five people on this video, and you had to count how many times they passed the ball from one person to the next. Very simple task. And so they played the video. And I was with a group of about seven or eight from the same company, all of us from, from the company I worked with. And we all were counting. At the end of the video, the guy said, who here saw the gorilla? Huh? We were so busy counting how many times they passed the ball from one person to the next, we missed the guy dressed in a gorilla suit walking behind, and he actually stopped and then he continued to walk across. And nobody caught it. Now, focus is an amazing thing. Focus is good, but sometimes you can get so focused, especially if you're focused on the wrong thing, you will miss what's actually happening. And these people were focused on the water moving, which was not a bad thing, because in that contained the cure for their condition. But what they missed was when he came walking on the scene. And I'm intrigued because when I read the Bible, even in this story, it says that he actually disappeared. How can Jesus disappear in this crowd of people? I'm not sure they paid attention sometimes to who he was. Because when you read stories, you find out that he was in the temple and it doesn't say that people were all over him. And yet other times you hear stories when they hear he's in town, the whole town comes. And in this story, he comes and it doesn't say that he had this entourage. It doesn't even necessarily say he had his disciples. But he comes along and he sees this guy that's been there for 38 years and he says one simple question. Would you like to be made whole. And I got to be honest with you, if I was in that guy's condition and there's been situations in my life that haven't been 38 years in the making, but there's been situations in my life when I get so caught up in the moment that I miss the message. Or I get so caught up in the commotion that I miss the king. And this guy, and I will not blame him. Because if I'm to be totally honest, I've been in those situations. And he just wants to get in the water. And Jesus comes and he says, would you like to be made whole? And I love his response because his response indicated where he was looking. There's nobody to get me into the water. He looked at a momentary situation. He looked at his situation, his dilemma, his predicament, his condition, his situation, his ailment, his lack, and he was stuck there. And when somebody said, you want to be made whole, all he could think about was how can I get to that remedy instead of understanding who was speaking. 
And, and I can't fault him. i got to be honest with you. I can't fault him for that. And we saw a couple other conversations Jesus had when he had the conversation with the woman at the well. And he says, do you want living water? And her first reaction is, how can you get living water out of this well? And we read the story and we go, come on now, it's Jesus right there. But sometimes when Jesus comes to us, we don't realize the question he's asking to indicate the need in our spirit and in our soul. And all we think about is the situation I'm facing right now. And the conversation that Jesus has, he comes in at this level. And we're down at this level. He had that with his disciples. When they were feeding the 5,000, which I want to get to in one of the conversations. But he says, give them something to eat. He's speaking up here. But he's speaking naturally. But he's speaking from the positive, from, from the possibility. They just looked here and says, we don't even have a couple happy meals. And you and I, I've got to be honest with you. And I think if you'd be honest and evaluate and look at this situation, you and I would be looking at this. I'd be looking at how can I get to the water? How can I get ahead of that guy? How can I beat that guy? And it's not just because I'm competitive, but I'm desperate to get touched. How can I beat this guy? That, oh, that guy... He can move pretty fast. I'm stuck on this bed. He's only got a bad leg. He could trip and fall and he'd beat me. Come on. If you had the solution in front of you, and, and I don't know when the water was stirred. I don't know if they, can you imagine if you miss it? When's it going to happen again? I don't know if it happened once an hour, once a day. I don't know. So you miss that opportunity. So they're all looking at this, and I can just see this situation, everybody looking at the water. I could just see this in my mind's eye, this colonnade, these five porches, and it's just surrounding the water, and everybody's looking at the water, and in comes Jesus, and nobody even recognizes him there. And they are so focused on the solution. There is a solution there that they miss the one who gives the solution. They miss the one who is the solution. They miss the one that can answer them and they doesn't need a stirring of the water. He is the answer. You don't have to wait till the next time. But I can just see it. I can see the scene playing out in front of me. We're all sitting on there. We're looking at the pool. We're waiting for the stirring of the water. And in he comes. I, I wonder if he passed by a couple other guys that didn't even know who he was. I wonder if he stalked by and he, he walked by. And if you understood the power that he had, and he just walks by. And he just keeps walking. And they're at this pool and they're waiting for the water to stir. And here's the king of kings. 
He's walking by you right this morning. Hi, sweetie. You don't even recognize him. And he walks by. All of a sudden, he sees this guy, and he says, and he knew his condition. When Jesus walks by, he knows your condition. (laughs) He knows the guy had been there for a long time. And what I see amazing in this picture is, as I'm looking at it, is sometimes we say we know Jesus because we found the solution, but we don't know Jesus because we don't have the answer. And I'm amazed because it's not just this guy that has this conversation with Jesus, but as I've been reading in John, Lazarus, dead. To me, that's a problem. That's a real issue. I've never faced this before. Someone dead. And you knew about it three days earlier. And you decided to stay there and not come here. And he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Right over him. And as I've been reading these conversations with Jesus... The thing that just keeps hitting me and hitting me and hitting me is get to know him. Get to know him. Get to know Jesus. Get to know who he is. Don't just look for the stirring of the water, but look for the one who stirs the water. Look for the one who actually directs the angels to stir the water. Look for the one who can give you living water, not just the one that can give you a drink. You know you can be in his presence and you can leave unchanged? Because the scriptures are, there's examples of people that came to Jesus That he was around and they didn't accept him. He was in their presence and they didn't get changed. But the ones that came looking for him, looking to him, seeking him and asking him, I I do not find any example in the scripture where Jesus did not heal somebody who came to him. He is so powerful. There's not one instance in the New Testament where somebody came to Jesus And he didn't heal him. And you say, oh, yeah, well, what about the time he came into his city and they didn't receive him? Actually, if you read that passage, you'll find out, yes, it said he did not do many mighty miracles, but he did some. He still did some. But the receptivity of the people. So I just want to give you, if you were taking notes, if you were to write on one side of your page, Bethesda, and you were writing on the other side of your page, Jesus, I'd like to give you just a few thoughts. And what I'm hoping you will do today is have a desire inside of you that will say, I've got to get to know him. 
I have got to get to know Jesus. Because as I read these stories, <laughs> I have found myself too many times on the side where the people are saying, I got to be honest, I'd respond the same way. I have conversations with people. I have a problem. I called Pastor Nelson over. We look at it, and he says, we got to do this. And, and my mind is looking at that problem. And if Pastor Nelson says, well, Jesus is here right now, I, I go, no, this is the problem. We get, sometimes we get so focused, we miss. So if you're writing notes, I've just got a few thoughts for you. If you've got Bethesda on one side and you've got Jesus on the other, you would write people waiting. At Bethesda, people were waiting. And then if you look at Jesus, it says Jesus was looking. You're writing on the side of Bethesda. Sick, ill, infirmities, 38 years. These people were in a bad condition. You come over to the side and you call them where you got the name Jesus. You could write down immediate healing. What I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm trying to get you a picture of Jesus. I'm trying to give you a picture of Jesus in a situation that sometimes we think is 2,000 years removed but I would suggest to you that these situations are actually things that we face every single day. If you write Bethesda on the one side, you could write questions. There were questions. You come over to Jesus. You see the answer. Now, Jesus asked the question of him, but Jesus knew the answer. I hope I'm giving you just a very simple look at Jesus. As I've read these conversations with him, I'm just struck by the simplicity of his conversations and the simplicity of his answers. Do you want to be made whole? This morning, can I ask you? Do you want to be made whole? Is there anybody here? If I'm looking at you right now, do you want to be made whole? Thank you. Receive it. He just says, do you want to be made whole? <laughs> yeah, but you don't understand. I've been here 38 years. You don't understand. I can't get past my inabilities. You don't understand. Somebody else beats me to it. Do you want to be made whole? And that guy could only see the solution that everybody else had. And I got to be honest with you, I can't. 
I don't have Jesus' eyes yet. I'm looking at it going, I'd probably say, yeah, but that guy beat me to it. And he's here right now. This morning, he was, oh, the Holy Spirit was just hovering this morning. And I joked around with Sean <laughs> saying, does anybody need healing because of what we went through yesterday? And I'm thinking, I do. But I don't care if your ailment is from last week, last month, or even the previous millennium. If it's an addiction that you can't seem to shake, but there's a solution. His name is Jesus. Would you like to be whole? If it's, if it's a style of anger management, do you think Jesus can heal that? Is it battling depression? Waking up sometimes thinking, what's the use of today? I'm just going to do the same old thing, and by the end of the day, I'm going to be deeper in the ditch that I'm starting to dug already. Do you think Jesus can make you whole? And he walks up to this guy. And we have Bethesda. Situations, dilemmas, problems, frustrations, sadness, sorrow. There's no satisfaction here. And in one sentence, in one sentence, he says, do you want to be made whole? Bethesda, the problem. Jesus, the solution. Bethesda, the condition. Jesus, the answer. And this morning, I'm here to tell you, I believe the power of God is here, strong, heavy, you do not have to continue in something that has been bothering you, whether it's been a week, a day, a month, a year, 38 years. You do not have to continue fighting that literal healing or chasing after that healing. I'm here to tell you, Jesus, I believe he's standing here right now and he's looking at you, at your eyes, and he's looking in your face and he says, do you want to be whole? I ask you, what is your answer? Seriously, what is your answer? If it's yes, I encourage you, raise your hand. If you want to be whole, raise your hand. He is here right now. 
And what you are doing by the simple act of raising your hand, what you are doing is you are identifying with this word and taking a prophetic act and saying, Lord, I don't want to keep chasing after when the water's going to stir. What if I miss it? What if I'm not there? I want to come to you. Because when I come to you, you have the answer immediately. Just keep your hands raised. Mm. Hallelujah. You can put them down. I've got just one other thing I'd like to say. The guy has this interesting conversation with the people in the temple. And they can't figure out how he got whole. And by the way, for him to pick up his bed and walk, in those days, that was the equivalent of saying they will stone him and kill him. I mean, it wasn't just picking it up because it was an inconvenient on the Sabbath. The priests and rabbis argued that you couldn't even take a pin and carry a pin in your pocket on the Sabbath. So here Jesus, God bless him, he likes to disrupt and mess with your mind and quit making excuses for him not to do something because today's not the day or these people are going to think this. He comes and he says it and the guy obeys and, it, and, and he has questions to answer. But Jesus comes up to him a few minutes later, a little while later, and I want you to catch this. Jesus says, don't sin anymore lest something worse happens. Now, my God's a good God. And I do not believe that he takes a miracle or gives a miracle and takes it away. But there's thing called personal responsibility. And, and I'll be real simple with you. I've heard of people who have lost weight in Christian meetings. Don't keep eating the way that got you there. Come on. God can cure in one. He can take care of a financial situation. Don't live in the financial difficulties and living by having spending more than you're making. If he gives you deliverance, walk in that deliverance. Don't go back to where it was before. Okay? It's not because God is angry. There's some things just called the natural laws of living. If I decide to fall off of here, there's a good chance I may hurt myself. So don't do it. I'm not going to get into legalism and stuff because I believe God is gracious. I know he is. I experience it. But there's something called humanity, which sometimes equals stupidity. If God delivers you today, and I know that he did, don't do the habits, the lifestyle, or the things that got you into those situations. Stop doing it. Stop it. Because what's the use of getting healed and delivered if you're just going to do it again? It doesn't, God's strong and powerful. But you do that and sometimes you dig yourself deeper. 
And you will battle things that you didn't have to battle because he's won the victory. And I found this and Pastor Nelson and I were talking. And if you go to the woman at the well, you will also find that Jesus, he didn't just talk to her about living water, but then he tells her, don't sin anymore. Don't live in a life or a lifestyle or decision making that is contrary to his word. When he heals you, start work walking in that healing. Walk in that provision. Walk, get away from that area of the infirmity and start walking with the legs, with the power, with the ability he's given you. It's not about him sometimes. It's about me not doing what he says. I'm done. I'm going to wrap this up. Where are you looking? Where are you looking? Are you looking at something that happened once or something that happened to somebody else or something that could be? That is a miracle. But are you so focused on that that you miss Jesus when he walks by? This challenges me because every conversation I have with him now, I'm going, oh, what was he saying? Because I don't want to miss out on what he says. I want to get to know him so well that when he says, David, feed the 5,000, give them something to eat, and I've got nothing in my hand, I don't sit and argue. I say, yes, sir, and I do it. I want to get to know him so well that I actually become a dispenser of what he has. This morning, I believe he spoke to me this week that there's going to be healing today. And I'll be honest with you, I believe I was walking in obedience this morning when I asked who here wants to be made whole. Take it, grab it, walk with it. Amen. We had a total of $1,887 directed to Chris and Mandy. Give yourself a hand. Hallelujah. That's awesome. 18, almost $1,900 and some furniture was offered. Thank you. We will be following up if there were some of those comments so that we can contact them. You have a TV. We will write that down. Thank you. You are very generous people. Hey, I can't tell you how much I am proud of your generosity. And, and I, I don't make this little, and I'm not trying to be silly when I say this, but I believe God blesses you when you open your hands because it's biblical. It says that he who waters himself will be watered. I'm big into, into financial blessing. I believe it. And you are living it. So I'm asking God to pour out onto you a blessing that you would actually go, I can't seem to contain this. If, if you'd like that, come on. If you say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm a candidate for that. God bless them. Have a great week. 
We will see you next Sunday. Amen. God bless you. And remember, look for him. Look for Jesus.